Good morning. Would you please stand and sing with us? God, we're so thankful for this day, and we're so grateful for you bringing us here together um, safely in this weather and um, for another day to worship you. Lord, we pray today that you would open our hearts and open our minds as we prepare for the message so that we can receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen.
please turn and greet one another. Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you joined us today. I don't take it for granted that you see rain outside and you still get dressed. You still get in the car. You still round up your family and drive over here. I'm grateful for it. Grateful for the people that helped us set up this space for you. Um, we've got all kinds of um, uh, great things for you that is based in our belief in radical hospitality. Our first of the five practices. What can we do to make you as comfortable as possible and able and willing to hear the word of God? Um, we have coffee and snacks here. We have restrooms here. We have a security check-in station in the back if you have a child going to children's programming, fifth grade and below. And we have all sorts of different seating now, um, including rocking chairs in the back if you have a child that you want to um, rock and help them feel more comfortable. Uh, we have visitor cards and prayer cards uh, that we want to share with you um, there in the back. Or you can raise your hand and an usher will bring you one. Ushers will have both and you can request the one that you like. You can give us any sort of information that you like um, for the Tuesday prayer group, for our staff um, to give us any contact information that you like. And we'll contact you in that way. If you turn to your bulletin, you'll see that section with everything for radical hospitality in it. Um, you'll also see in the passionate worship section a prayer number. Um, it was used this week, and it worked this week. It works every time you use it and can reach us much faster than calling uh, the church office, especially in off hours. If you call that number, I immediately get an email with your prayer concern, whether it be um, someone you want me to come see in the hospital right now or a prayer concern that you'd like to share with the Tuesday prayer group. We received both of those calls um, this week, and I encourage you to use it. It's very simple. You get a voicemail, and you can share it uh, with us. Um, Supper at 6 is coming up on February 14th. This is a unique day, because it's Valentine's Day, and it's Ash Wednesday. Um, some couples wait till the weekend to go out for Valentine's Day dinner. Some go out on the actual day of Valentine's Day. Um, we encourage you to come to dinner, um, in which the theme of the dinner will have um, hearts and things like that for Valentine's Day. And then the program for the evening is going over to the sanctuary for an Ash Wednesday service. This is the first day of the, what's called the season of Lent. Lent is a season, a journey towards um, Jerusalem and the way the crowd uh, reacted to Jesus and everything that we would do were we there um, so that we can then acknowledge uh, our part in that process. We can acknowledge ways in which we impede the word of God. We can try to remove as many of those ways as possible and be ready for the joy of um, Easter Sunday. Um, so I encourage you to come on February 14th. We believe in intentional faith development, and I'll call Aaron up for a couple of children's announcements and tell you that we have Sunday night programming tonight for every age group, children, youth, and adults, and uh, each night stands on its own. Uh, you can join us any Sunday night. Adults are in the social hall, children uh, start up here, and youth start in the gym uh, playing games before they have dinner. Good morning. I'm Erin Knight, Director of Children and Family Ministries, and I do have just a few announcements. Um, one is that you um, adults may see some of our children at your door this morning. Uh, the older elementary children will be coming this morning and the younger next week to a couple of adult Sunday school classes. If you see us, someone in leadership in your class has said that will be okay. We're doing a good neighbor cooking scavenger hunt. So you may have gone to your neighbor to borrow a cup of sugar, right, um, when you are cooking and run short of something. We'll be going door to door. The ingredients I've already put in your class, so you don't have to do anything but hand them over when we knock on your door and say, we're here. Um, but we're studying the Good Samaritan and talking about different ways we can be good neighbors. Uh, we'll minimize that disruption. I know that you're studying something important. So we'll just have one or two children um, do the knocking. And if you want to have just one adult hand over that item, that'll be just fine. Um, but we're trying to teach the kids that we are a um, community of faith here and you are all their neighbors and here to help them. So uh, that'll end in a sweet treat for them this morning. Um, also, this morning at 11 a.m., 
anyone who wants to come talk for just a few minutes in the straight room, which is this middle room up here. Uh, it may seem early to be talking about summer, but it's actually not because I um, know that a lot of parents are going to be registering for summer camp and different fun activities this summer. So I'd like to just get some dates and big picture ideas on the calendar for our children this summer. And um, there may be a few changes, so I'd like to run some ideas by parents and volunteers that work with children this summer. If you have a minute to meet with us at 11 a.m., that would be wonderful. If you can't join us at 11 a.m., the children's email that's been going around has a brief survey that will have the big questions I'll be asking in it. Um, it's had it the last two weeks. It'll have it for the next couple as well. Um, we'll be focusing on Vacation Bible School and the program we've been calling Wonderful Wednesdays. So join us at 11 or grab me anytime and say, hey, what were you talking about? I'd like to give some input. Um, but I want to make sure as many voices as possible can inform our summer programming. Uh, at this time, if you are in third through fifth grade and want to join me for chapel, uh, we'll be walking out and parents, I will walk those kids directly to Sunday school afterward. Thank you. We believe in risk-taking mission and service. And the next program that we're working on is called the Weekender Backpack Program. You'll see that in the bulletin as well, where we're partnering with Greer Middle to make sure that children who are worried about food over the weekend uh, will get plenty of food in a backpack to feed them all weekend. Uh, the youth will be collecting for Super Bowl of Caring uh, next Sunday, so make sure you have a couple uh, extra dollars, five in your wallet when you come to worship next week, and that will go to Greer Community Ministries. We believe in extravagant generosity, and you'll see that section in the back of your bulletin as to how we're doing. We're grateful for your generosity. And we have two extras. One is the directory. You love the directory, right? It's getting even more updated if you go and take pictures now if you don't have a picture in it. You do not have to be a member. You do not have to have served here for five years. You do not have to have, um, be in a certain bracket of any sort. It's that you regularly come here and we could see your face and know your name and go, hey, look, that's who that is. Um, directly following the worship service, Leslie is in the back. She has a purple shirt. And Leslie will guide you over to the sanctuary to get a picture. It's very simple. The war for contact information does not end when we finish the directory. It only begins. If you move, if you get a new cell phone, if you do anything with your contact information, help us in this fight to make sure that we have your right contact information. All you got to do is write lessons and say, hey, our address changed. And we change it. And then the digital version of the directory, it is changed and new and, um, and ready to go. Also, CEP registration starts for members. Make sure you notice that in the bulletin. That is a critical window. People who are already in the CEP have a window. People in our church have a window, and then it is open up to the public. And once it's open up to the public, it's on. Um, so if you are not currently in there and would like to be and are a member, please note that date, and please speak to um, Elizabeth about the CEP. That is uh, all of our announcements. Please take your bulletin home with you, put it on your refrigerator, make sure you have all that information uh, with you. Let's pray together. Lord, it's early. And we've already said a lot, heard a lot, done a lot. Everything that it took for us to be here, Lord, we're grateful that you drove us. But now that we are here, help us to be present. Help us to be here. Prepare our hearts and minds for your word. Prepare our hearts and minds for your prayer, for your song, for your proclamation. And as we read about anger... So we read about questions and answers. Help us to see every angle, Lord. Help us to understand the struggle of humanity and the power of divinity. Help us, Lord, as we see these two things compared, to understand the power that we have, the choices that we have, the answers that we seek may all be found in you. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So today we're looking at the fourth chapter of Jonah. This is the last chapter we've looked at in all of January. It's a short book that you could read this afternoon. Chapter 1, God tells Jonah, go speak to the great people of Nineveh. I want you to turn them around because their attitude, their behavior, their actions is not even close. I need you to go talk to them. Jonah hates them, runs the other direction. In chapter 2, he's in the belly of a whale after being tossed into the sea by fishermen of which he bought a ticket. And in the belly of the whale, he prays, he prays, oh mercy, I got sideways, let me try to fix it. Let me see if I can change this. Let me see if I can live this out the way that you intended. In chapter 3, last week, he goes to Nineveh, monster city. Takes three days to go across and he's supposed to go yelling at them that they need to change in what would I think would be a hopeless mission. Yet they change faster than he can possibly imagine. Transition to begging for forgiveness and are granted that forgiveness by God. This is a prophet's dream. To be called by God to speak to people, to motivate them enough to change their very lives and he is the most broken he will ever be. Isn't that interesting? You ever had the most success you've had in your job but you're not happy for some reason? It could be any number of reasons, but in this particular case, Jonah's not happy because he didn't want him to change. He didn't want him to repent because he didn't want him forgiven because he wanted them gone. And that's the struggle of chapter 4. So we're going to talk about um, your first phrase, questions and answers. And I tell you what, I'm just going to be honest with you. I tanked and forgot to get water. Can somebody go get me water just a little bit and bring it to me? Casey's right there. Casey, can you? Or Cindy, either one. Thank you. Um, questions and answers. So we're, we're going to look at a picture. <laughs> this is a tutor. How well did you do with tutors on a particular subject? Well, in, in one hand, thank you very much. You'd think I remember. Then again, you might not. <laughs> if you need a tutor in a subject, How's that subject going? You might be thriving. You might be killing it, and you want to press yourself even further. We have lots of tutors in this congregation, a lot of them having to do with math. You might be on the bottom edge of it and just trying to get your head above water. And in either case, you are truly pressing yourself beyond what you're uh, capable of on your own, and you need this individual to help you. And there's any number of movies, a lot of them have to do with sports or karate or whatever it may be, in which a person is working with a mentor, and that person just wants what? The answer. Just give me the answer, right? But so many times, what does the mentor have? Another question. No, I just want you to give me the answer. No, I'm just going to give you another question. And in that model, the mentor is just desperately trying to show the mentee, not only is there not just one path, but if you don't walk the particular path and truly question what you're doing and try to pull it apart and understand it and live it, then the answer will mean nothing. Nothing. Because you won't struggle and fight and learn it. And so over and over and over again, there are questions and answers in Scripture. And sometimes there are far more questions than answers. I want you to consider that as we look at the text for today. Jonah chapter 4, starting with verse 1. But Jonah thought this was utterly wrong. <laughs> I just have to laugh at that. God. What God did. Forgiving the people. This is just utterly wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Come on, Lord. Wasn't this precisely my point when I was back in my own land? This is why I fled to Tarshish earlier. I know that you're merciful and compassionate, very patient, full of faithful love, and willing not to destroy at this point, Lord, you may as well take my life from me because it would be better for me to die than to live. 
our children will tell you, I'm always working on attitudes and behavior regardless of the circumstances. And I'm always trying to work on my attitude and behavior regardless of the circumstances. But I always think it's hilarious when somebody's insanely upset about something silly. That's always funny to me, if I'm not dealing with them. If I don't have to motivate them, supervise them, work for them, whatever it may be, deal with them, it's kind of funny to me. So here's your first question. Wasn't this precisely my point? Imagine saying that to God. That takes some fortitude to say that to God. Wasn't this precisely my point? Is code for, I told you. I told you. I knew this from the very beginning, and you didn't listen to me. This is real trouble. When someone is aching to be right, like Jonah's aching to be right, you got trouble. You got real trouble in the boardroom when someone is aching to be right. You got real, real trouble in the car on an eight-hour trip when someone is just aching to be right about whether we should have taken that exit or not, whether or not we should have stayed in this hotel or not whether or not we should have um, just kept driving, whether or not we should have stayed one more day. When somebody's just aching and ready to be right, you got trouble. And votes can lead to losers, can't they? Whenever you vote on a particular subject, it can lead to someone losing, which can lead them to just ache to be right. Uh, there's a business of... Um, Four Brothers at Buncombe Street uh, that I was just fascinated. I went out and toured it. They bought it from their dad and navigated the purchase from their dad and navigate their own different personalities and skill sets. And I said, but with there being four of you, there's not an odd number. What do you do when you have to vote? What do you think he said? We don't vote. has to be all four. Because if all four aren't in, somebody's just waiting to say, told you. Somebody's just aching to say, I told you. And this is what Jonah is doing. I told you that if you sent me, they'd listen and you'd forgive them. And I knew you were compassionate. The critical part there is he's acknowledging that he'd like to hoard the things that God has. I knew that you were this way, so I didn't want to tell anybody. I knew that you'd be generous, so I didn't want anyone to know. I knew that you'd forgive if they repented, so I didn't want anyone to repent because then I knew you'd forgive them. I told you. And losers can wait a long, long time to be right, can't they? How, do you, how long do you think you've waited? How long do you think you've hoped that something would not work out long enough that you could tell someone, I told you this wasn't going to work out? Five months? Six months? Anybody make it 18 months hoping that everything will be wrong so that you can tell people? Anybody watch someone do that? We have it in our heart if we don't check it. Verse 4. This is my favorite Ever. The Lord responded, is your anger a good thing? But Jonah went out from the city and sat out east of the city. There he made himself a hut and sat under it in the shade to see what would happen to the city. <laughs> we'll find it. I'm going to make a hut and watch and see what happens to this dumb city and these dumb people. Isn't that awesome? This isn't some average person that just was called up out of nowhere to proclaim this word. This is, this is the number one person. You're supposed to be my mouthpiece. You're supposed to understand what I want. You're supposed to understand the human condition. You're supposed to talk about the two in a way that people can understand it and change. Said you want to go outside of town and build a hut. Next question. Is your anger a good thing? For your health, 
for your spirit, for your purpose in life? What if you asked yourself that every time you were angry? What if we took scripture out of it? Because sometimes scripture is loaded. Sometimes church is loaded. Sometimes people are like, listen, I come to church. It's hard for me to do anything you're talking about. What if you just asked yourself this question? Is your anger a good thing for your health, for your spirit, for your purpose? This is such a good question. I don't care who's asking it. I don't even care what their intentions are. This is an interesting question for us to ask all the time in our church, in our workplace, in our home, whatever it may be. In fact, as one of your primary spiritual leaders, hopefully I'm one of the primary spiritual leaders in your life, I grant full authority to every one of you in this moment, I deputize all of you to ask one another, is your anger a good thing? Now, um, you, you can't keep going. You can't say, uh, stop being angry. Stupid. I told you that this was going to happen and that's why you're angry. Well, I told you you should have changed your job and you didn't change your job six months ago, and that's why you're angry. I'm not deputizing any of that. I'm just this one phrase. Is your anger a good thing? How helpful would that be to hear from a loved one in the moment of intense anger? I'm not sure, honestly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I can tell you this. Uh, it's coming back at me at some time in the very near future. Inside the next 11 days, someone will say to me, is your anger a good thing? Because all of you will do it, and my family will do it, and people who listen will do it, but I need to hear it. How does anger affect your body? How does anger affect your spirit? It can do serious damage to both but merciful, the third one. How does anger affect your purpose? Jonah's anger with those people completely negated his desire for his one chosen purpose. How much effort do you have? How much energy do you have? How much purpose do you have? It's a limited amount, wouldn't you think? How much are you burning on a daily basis, making sure that you remain angry about a particular subject. We might be alarmed to see if we looked over the entire year. Now, there's a relative or a friend asking you, is your anger a good thing? And then there's God asking you that. God is asking him, is your anger a good thing? That might be a great time to recognize and wake up and change because God is asking you, hey, is it a good thing what you're doing here? You, you want to keep doing that? But it still takes a little more time. Verse 6. Then the Lord God provided a shrub, and it grew up over Jonah, providing shade for his head and saving him from his misery. Jonah was very happy about the shrub. But God provided a worm the next day at dawn, and it attacked the shrub so it died. Then as the sun rose, God provided a dry east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint. He begged that he might die, saying, it is better for me to die than to live. God said to Jonah, is your anger about the shrub a good thing? Jonah said, yes. My anger is good even to the point of death. Now, again, is this a parable? Is this a reality? I'm not certain, but I don't care. Because it identifies a critical, critical point. Here's your next question. Is your anger about the shrub a good thing? See, this pulls way back from your personal anger. This is talking about God's creation. An expanse so much bigger than you can possibly fathom 
that you can't possibly process what it takes in order to make it run. What you do know, this is, and that too, this is an excellent um, metaphor. You see, I'm in the key under this basket. In my daily life, am I typically way more aware of things outside this key or inside this key? Am I way more aware of the things that are happening three feet, five feet, ten feet in front of me or things that are outside that sphere? I think we all know the answer. And so when God provides that shrub and talks about creation and everything that God is doing beyond anything we could ever comprehend and we talk about a particular thing that's happening in this one particular space that particularly affects us and it draws anger from us that distracts us from anything we're doing, God might say, is your anger about the shrub a good thing? Really? Really? You want to be angry right now? You want to be angry about this one thing that affects you deeply? No, this is about three really important things. This is about authority. This is about autonomy. This is about vision. You think that's humans or God's? Well, we might say, you know what, I want authority. And I want autonomy. Because I have the vision of what should happen. Mm -mm. No, that question is about God's authority. It's about God's autonomy. In fact, God can make choices independent of our opinion. Isn't that something? <laughs> That's real. We might want to acknowledge that and acknowledge our significance against that. It would be important for us to understand this text and everything we've been working on in the month of January. God's authority, God's autonomy, God's vision. And see, we want authority so bad, don't we? I've talked before about a study I read six months ago, eight months ago, of a poll given to working Americans. Would you rather have a little bit more money or a little bit less supervision? You know what they chose? Less supervision. I'll make less if I have to listen less. I'll make less if I don't have to listen to that guy tell me what to do and I can do my own thing. We want authority and we want autonomy. Do you know what the disciples ask Jesus as he is telling them that he's going to Jerusalem and that he's going to be tried and he's going to be crucified and he's going to be raised? They say, um, after all that, who, who gets to sit closest to you? Who gets to have the coolest chair? And what do they want? Proximity. Why does anybody want proximity? To have influence. To have significance. Maybe even to pull God like this. Like a puppet. See, God's free of what we want. God's free of what we do. God's free of what we desire and has complete autonomy and merciful. I'm grateful for that. And God has great vision. Vision beyond these 12 square feet around me. Vision beyond what I particularly want at this particular moment. So how wide is your scope for pain? How wide is your scope for purpose for this world? How wide is your scope for passion? If we wonder if it's limited, then we need to look at that question and go, you know, I didn't put this shrub here. I didn't have anything to do with that. Maybe I need to step back. Verse 10. But the Lord said, you pitied the shrub for which you didn't work. In which you didn't raise. It grew in a night and it perished in a night. Yet for my part, can't I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? And that's how it ends. That is how the book ends. 
with a question. Isn't that interesting? And this is your last phrase. Yet for my part, can't I pity Nineveh? We're talking about an incomprehensible width and depth of caring and empathy on the part of a creator and sustainer. Our heart breaks for a select few. You ever hear a story about someone's heartache and you go, I I can't, I, I cannot. Or you see heartache and you go, finally, finally that person gets it for everything that they've done to this community or this group or society. Finally, justice. You ever seen an animal that's hurt? Heartbreaks. Our dog misjudged a step on the way into the house this week and smacked his chin so hard on the step, he busted it up. It's the saddest I've ever been around an animal because he hit his chin and he went, and he went, and curled up against the front door. And see, I walk him every day. I feed him every day. I take care of him most of the day. But there's something about mama. There is something about mama. I got nothing to do. I cannot fix you, bro. I can't help you. I'm going to have to call mama and ask her what she would do. And I didn't even know where he was. Like, did he hurt his paw? Did he hurt his chest? What did he hurt? And then she came home and found it. Heartbroken. Buddy. But you see somebody texting on the road, and then they get in a wreck, and you go, idiot. What an idiot. Right? Our empathy is limited. We got no choice. I'm not piling on you. You only have so much. So if we recognize that, how can we then want to dictate who is forgiven? How can we then want to dictate who is pursued? Because if somebody asks me, what is God doing? What's God up to? Somebody that doesn't come to church very often might think, oh man, God's just keeping track of everything. God's just making sure that we know that we're terrible. And if I ever walk in the church door, that's the first thing they're going to tell me. And I don't know what's going to happen after my death. I don't even care. Because the God who created all this, if there is a God, I'm not up for it. That person doesn't understand what I think is a fundamental truth about God is a pursuing, loving, purposeful God reaching for everyone possible. Our heart breaks for a select few. God's heart breaks for creation. So I want you to think about your anger in the coming weeks. Think about your anger on social media. Think about your anger when you watch those news networks. Think about your anger when you uh, read the paper or look at it on your iPad, whatever it may be. Because there are businesses completely driven by your anger. Completely motivated by your anger. Completely financed by your anger. And if that burns 40 to 50% of the fuel that you have to do the thing that you were built to do, you are failing. We are failing. I am failing as your leader. And so while I read this text and I laugh and snort and think it's amazing and funny, and I continue to, I want us to recognize the power that anger has over us, the limited scope that we have, the limited window that we have. How much time do you have left on this earth? And the opportunity that's before us to serve a pursuing, loving God. If you'll stand and join me for our affirmation of faith. This is something that we believe in. It's something we're striving to live. If you want to join us and read it, you're welcome to. If you want to listen and try to figure it out, you are welcome to. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works and whose will is directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit, 
as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth, on earth in this window of time that we have in the interactions that we are granted with humankind. We will change this earth, not hope to escape this earth, to heaven. Please be seated. It's now time for our offering. You can give as the plate goes by. You can give electronically as um, instructions in the bulletin show you. And if you're new, uh, you certainly can give, but we don't expect you to. You can rely on the generosity of our people. Please stand and sing this last one with us. i mm-hmm. 
Leslie is in the back. She has a black jacket and a purple shirt. And she will take you to do that. Um, Super Bowl carrying next week in a youth versus parents football game next week at 2 o'clock. It's going to be fun. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Have a great week.